tonight I am going to talk from the lectionary, specifically a passage in Exodus that I like to refer to as the golden calf incident. However, I'm not going to focus on the theme of idolatry. Daniel covered that really well this year, and I think that there are other interesting parts of this passage. Uh, so tonight we're reading from Exodus uh, verses 1 to 14. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, sons and daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off the earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen the people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. When reading this story, I notice that there are three examples of relationship with God and that these can affect how we hear or interact with them. These are shown through the actions of the Israelites, Aaron and Moses. So let's start with the Israelites. They are a people who have held a more distant relationship with God, with their faith being framed up within the structures of religion. Moses was their direct conduit to God, and his word was law. Now imagine that you had lived in slavery your whole life, just like your parents before you and their parents going back 430 years. 
to maintain hope that your God will free you after all that time is no easy feat. The bonds of community would have been fundamental and provided support on both societal and individual levels. Our relationship with God manifests within both structured communal rhythms and personal faith. These manifestations are intricately entwined, but the aspects can also exist separately. For example, we can pray communally and individually in private, but our personal connection with God can be expressed within both spaces. The Israelites placed emphasis on communal belief in God, but very few had a personal faith. Moses had become a major pillar in the Israelites' faith expression. So things got a bit shaky when his absence was prolonged and uncertainty crept in. This scenario highlights the importance of having your own personal connection with God. Our community and structured rhythms help us cultivate a holistic faith. But we still need to make space for God in our life regardless. When was the last time you spent time alone with God? Like many people, I love Psalm 23. It's comfortingly beautiful and covers a range of scenarios. But at its core, it's about personal relationship with God. The ways we can find rest protection, and home in them. Not everyone connects with God in the same ways, and that's okay. The important thing is that your relationship is personal and that you are providing space for connection in more ways than one. Now that we've covered personal relationship, it's important to talk about the role discernment plays in our faith. And helpfully, uh, helpfully, Aaron has provided us with a great example. If that sentence has caused anyone to stop and scratch their head, being like, unless what the flippity flop are you talking about? Aaron doesn't take the time to step away and discern in this passage. Then you have hit the jackpot. He doesn't stop, tell the Israelites, hey, I need a minute to pray about this and discern before making this decision. Granted, the peer pressure would have been immense. And in this age of social media and strong opinion, I believe you can understand how Aaron may have felt backed into a corner. But regardless of what society tells us, we can still choose to step back and include God in our decision-making. In a time when we are inundated with different voices, stepping back and grounding yourself in your identity, relationship with God and hopes is necessary when navigating life. I'm not sure if Aaron would have made a different decision or even if the Israelites would have been swayed from the idea of idolatry if he had made space for discernment. But I can imagine 
he would have been spared regret and possibly even shame when Moses did return. Discernment isn't only important when interacting with the world, but also when seeking God's input. A particular example of this that I have encountered in my life was back in 2020, when God gave me a prophetic image. Some of the blueprint leadership and individuals with a gift of prophecy gathered on Zoom ahead of the Pentecost House Church event. Does anyone remember that? We gathered, learnt a bit about the Holy Spirit, then went out and prayed over our neighbourhoods. Anyway, as we were praying in the lead up to this, I received an image from God of a silver spoon drizzling honey. Now, I hadn't had breakfast yet that morning, but I was pretty sure it was God and not my stomach because I personally really dislike the flavour of honey. I don't know what it is. I just don't crave it. So it's not something I would even be desiring when I'm hungry. So I noticed that picture and tried to sit with it as we prayed. But the meaning didn't quite jump out at me. I chose not to share it. Um, because I just needed time to reflect and pray some more. I even took the image to other prophetic individuals and discussed it with them. Through this process of discernment, I was able to understand God's meaning. The silver spoon in the image represented Jesus, and the honey was the Holy Spirit. Honey has some really cool qualities. It doesn't spoil easily. It can be used for medicinal purposes, and also as a preservative. A word that was often shared around Blueprint at that time was that you can live by bread alone. But through this picture, God showed me that we we're also called to live by the Holy Spirit, that it will sustain us, heal our wounds, and help build lasting ministry. If I had immediately shared that picture without engaging with God and other individuals who I could trust to bring faithful, intentional insight then the full gift wouldn't have been imparted. Personal relationship with God creates a foundation, and cultivating space for discernment reinforces our identity as children of Christ. So we've talked about personal relationship and how it can help sustain us alongside communal faith. We've discussed the unique importance of discernment and how it helps us find personal identity. The next step, the next step, as modelled by Moses, is the formation of intimate relationship with God, and how it enables us to engage with our humanity. In this passage, Moses is informed by God of the Israelites' betrayal, that they have abandoned their faith and that he intends to wipe them from the earth. 
Now Moses is no stranger to outbursts of anger, and he has dealt with his people's flightiness during other difficult scenarios. He can understand God's frustration in this moment. He can understand God's frustration in this moment. But he also recognizes that God made a vow and that his people can do better. In short, he has hope. Now, I don't know about you, but having more hope than God in a situation and trying to actively calm their anger is not something I have ever experienced. I don't think I'm necessarily going to get to. Moses is famous for his anger. It is an emotion he is familiar with. And it is this familiarity that helps him relate to God. We were created in God's image. Our anger and joy, our regret and love are all divine traits that we have inherited from them. These form crucial aspects of our humanity that allow us to empathize and connect with one another. But God feels these emotions too. And like any relationship, it is made stronger through vulnerability and trust. When we take the time to connect and foster a personal relationship with God, we are inviting him to share more of himself with us. Who here has met someone for the first time and shared the most intimate parts of yourself with them to the point that you are completely known by and you trust that individual? Relationships take time, effort and vulnerability. Last week, Daniel spoke about lament and how it is important to allow ourselves space to feel our sorrows so that we can look to hope. God is in that process. They lament for and with you, and it can make your relationship stronger by allowing them into that space. God put in the effort to maintain his relationship with God through continuous connection, vulnerability and faith. So when he sought to placate God and seek mercy on behalf of his people, God listened. I have two reflections on this. The first is that Moses was a badass. And that took balls. The second is that we were created with free will. We can choose to follow God, but we don't have to. When God calls us to something, we don't have to say yes. God knows our hearts, hopes and personal beliefs. Our freedom is one of the most beautiful parts of our relationship with God. Every time you reach out to them, God acknowledges that you are choosing them. How beautiful is it to be chosen and accepted for who you are? God knew Moses' heart and that he cared for his people 
And that an oath had been made to multiply the children of Abraham. So when Moses beseeched them for mercy, God recognized this disagreement and how it was an expression of his humanity and hope, not a betrayal of faith. I'm going to say that again. God recognized this disagreement and how it was an expression of his humanity and hope, not a betrayal of faith. This intimacy is born of relationship and an understanding of our, our identity. God wants to know you. They want you to express yourself fully because you are beautiful. And we are all formed in different ways. And they want you to know these parts of themselves too. Intimacy can be scary. And sometimes when we can't hear them, we can feel abandoned or lost. When you ask someone a question and they don't respond, do you leave the conversation? No, you ask it again. Sometimes God is whispering and we need to lean in a little closer to hear them. Personal relationship Identity and intimacy form the home we call faith. Our relationship with God is the foundations, providing support and grounding. Identity is the walls of the house, providing strength and insight. And intimacy creates our roof, the thing that provides us with eternal shelter. A house without foundations is unsteady. With no walls, it will struggle to be more than a temporary dwelling. Without a roof, we are exposed to the harsh elements. So as we head into worship, I want you to ask yourself, how have you built your house?